0: mother's like the brothers. No relation. No relation to? Okay, I no was going to ask No relation. Imagine yeah. how rad Thanksgiving would be if they were.
1: Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hi, Todd here while Scott is on the road recording with new guests. In this episode, Scott is talking with Brooks Smothers of the RV Out West podcast. If you enjoy today's episode, please like and comment. Brooks Smothers, introduce yourself to my audience. Yeah, hi everybody. I'm
0: Brooks. I uh, am absolutely... Born and raised a Washingtonian. Uh, I have lived in this state for almost all of my life. I spent a decade away. Uh, And what's fun about that is that I would call that that decade, it was chapters. And I, so when I left the Northwest, I was 25 years old and I had been commuting across the 520 bridge already, fresh (laughs) out of college, living in Seattle. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the city thing. And I'm like, is this really? What I'm supposed to do until I'm 65, because this is not what I've signed up for. I don't understand and why you would I, say that. Oh, yeah, I don't understand. And this was the 520 bridge in like 97. This is not the 520 bridge now. I mean, so it's even oh worse gosh. now. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, I lucked into finding a job in the Virgin Islands. And so I moved down to St. Thomas and I took a friend of mine. And so I just was thinking I was gonna go have this chapter of my life, but As life happens and the wisdom of uh, getting older, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so that two-year hiatus turned into actually being a decade away. Um, And so I bounced around. And then in 2010, uh, I convinced my wife to move to the rainy, wet Pacific Northwest. She is a Philadelphia girl. And so we have been here now since 2010. We're raising our family. And for once in my life, I finally told my parents they could put my address in ink. Um, <laughs> I finally bought a house. So as, as far as having the mortgage now, I'm like, you know what? You can put my address in ink. Uh, I have moved, no joke, 37 times in my life. <sighs> yeah. And some of those moves, yeah, are just the simple going to the liquor store and getting liquor store boxes because they're cross town moves. And so you don't really care about packing. Some mm-hmm. of those though are across country, you know, I've California to Philly, Philly to Seattle, you know, okay. Seattle to St. Thomas. So they've been some major moves which have been liberating in one thing, right? Because you're, you finally get to get rid of all of that weight of that crap that right. we all have right. Um <laughs> yeah. how quickly we ac- accumulate all of that stuff again. It's ridiculous.
1: Oh, I can so relate to that. Well,
0: where did you grow up in Washington? So I was um, born and raised until I was about six years old in Pullman while my dad was going to Washington State University okay. to become a veterinarian. And then uh, we lived on a Camino Island for okay. a stint. I would say, though, Arlington is kind mm-hmm. of there in Snohomish County, I would say is kind of the formative third grade through high school years. Okay. What and high I school did you there. go to? I went to Arlington High School, Okay. and then my whatever fourth quarter of my sophomore year, I moved to Renton, and so I finished up high school down at Limburg High School, okay in Renton.
1: All right. Both
0: mascots were Eagles. Go Eagles! So, I'll
1: so say. you could well and well. Okay. Now, so the, I didn't want to bring this up, but you mentioned your wife's from Philadelphia, and you just said go Eagles. Yeah. There no, we're does, not talking about the Philadelphia. Uh, I know, I know, but we're now we're going to. Um, do you watch are you are you is this a football household? Yes,
0: okay. Do you want to hear a story about the first time I saw the Seahawks play in Philly? It was fantastic. Okay. It okay. was a December game. Um we were living in the burbs outside of Philadelphia in a town called Westchester, and a bunch of my wife's old high school friends, all the the guys were season ticket holders, and they had a spare ticket, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you go? Join us." So we went down, we're tailgating and we're having. Miller Light and Wings for breakfast at like 7:30 in the morning. It's a December game. It's snowing. Uh, I mean, these fellas put on one hell of a tailgate. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So by the time the 1:30 noon kickoff <laughs> started, we were already pretty close to being in the bag. Mm-hmm. This at the time is when the Seahawks had Sean Alexander. Okay. And so as we're walking into the stadium to get to our seats, Sean is already like in the red zone on the 15, 20 yard line, working their way in. So I'm like, yeah, go Hawks. This is awesome. And the guys I'm with, are like, "Mm, you might want to tone it down. And I'm, you know, a few beers in, I, whatever. And I've got a mouth. So I'm like, yeah, go Hawks. (laughs) And this other guy randomly gets in my face and he's like, he says, you know, we Eagles fans are really tough and you really need to watch what you're saying. And I'm like, look, I've seen the Hawks play in Oakland, and when they lose, they set that town on fire. Do you think I'm worried about Philly? And the guy goes, good point. You may just want to tone it down a little bit. And I go, point taken. And I don't know if you knew this, but there's a jail and a judge in the basement at the Philly Stadium, or so the story goes.
1: I think I've heard that before. So if you do
0: get unruly and, you know, cause a fight or whatever, you'll be plucked and downstairs and sitting in a jail cell until the end of the game.
1: So my question is, did the Hawks win that day? I don't remember the perfect answer. That's a perfect yeah, I really answer, don't actually. remember.
0: I don't actually remember. I remember right. just having that okay. interaction with that.
1: With that, with that, with Eagles that gentleman. Yep. All right. So your wife, is she, is she a football fan at all?
0: Uh No, not really. You know, okay. so like, I think now she's become enough of a Washingtonian that, you know, the couple of times when we had Russell Wilson and we were playing the Eagles in the playoffs, she loved calling to talk to her mom and her sisters and they're all saying fly eagles fly. And she's talking smack with them because that's just, you know, how you love (laughs) on Philadelphians. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, it was great fun. A lot of mean texts were being sent back and forth (laughs) all in good jest and,
1: and love. It was great. Oh my gosh. Mean texts. All right. So on your, on your, uh, your bio that you sent over to me yeah you go i've camped in the west for as long as i can remember so when yeah. did you did what so did you grow up in a camping household
0: yes but tent camping not rving nobody okay. RVed or did motor so okay. yeah we so tent camped with my dad he would take okay. us out and so you know we went camping out on the olympic peninsula we'd go out to la push into the whole rainforest crescent okay. lake and all of that area and tents okay um and then, as I got into my twenties, I started doing backpacking. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm at the time I'm more fit and whatever. So, you know, I, I would do some. There's some great backpacking I love to do up in the North Cascades around Ross Lake. Okay. Up and out that way, that's a nice little 14 miler. I've the one backpacking trip that's always been on my bucket list, and I, I don't know if and when I'm gonna do, but is the hike from Lake Chelan up to Stahican, oh. along along um, Lake Chelan there to get into Stahecan.
1: Okay. Now that hike, so so let me, you know, for full disclosure here, Mm my, my, like I told you before, and like I've probably said on the show before, but my idea of camping is bad room service. So I'm just, I'm, this is not something that I'm well versed in at all. Okay. So that hike from Lake Chelan to Stahecan, what side of the lake do you go on? Do you go on the east side up through uh, Manson or do you yes. go on the other side? Okay. No, right, that, you go, right. I believe you go up.
0: So you, you, don't actually, from what I've researched and, and heard again, I mm-hmm. have not done this hike. Right. Is that, uh, you take the, our lady of the lake just a little bit out of Lake Chelan and they okay. drop you off at the trailhead. Cause I don't think the trailhead actually starts in uh, Lake Shelan. You kind of okay. got to go around Mason
1: okay. or Manson, excuse Manson. me. You Manson. go around okay. Manson
0: and then they drop you off and you hike up the ridgeline and then along. Cause you're not really walking along the lake lake. you're up on the ridge line okay well that actually that sounds like fun actually there's a narrow window from what i've in my research that you Mm -hmm. can really do this hike where you need to wait for the snow to melt Mm -hmm. and the wildfires not to start so
1: june 12th to
0: 14th it's like end of july first week of august i believe is that little window where you've got like two weeks to do this hike okay so all right. Yeah. But so, so you, I did all of that car camping. Okay. I did a lot of car camping. Um,
1: you know, um,
0: yeah, so I did a lot of car camping. I mean, I've well, driven and, across country six, seven times now.
1: All right. So one of the things you reference here is the 78 VW camper bus. Yeah. Athena, the goddess Ath- of wisdom. Okay. All right. Or actually are named after a grateful dead song. Come on. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay.
0: So, so I you... bought Athena right after I graduated from university I went to Western. So right after I graduated okay. from Western, I or in my senior year at Western, I traded in my 1993 Toyota Camry and bought a 1978 uh-huh. Volkswagen Camper bus uh-huh. for $3,000. I
1: right. wish
0: I still had that. I wish oh, yeah. I didn't leave it in St. Thomas, but, um, yeah. So after I graduated college, I went and worked for, um, It's the San Juan Island Salsa Company, but the bread making division. I can't remember the name of their breads now. I'm drawing a blank. But the San Juan Island Salsa that you can buy in the fresh salsa Mm -hmm. in your grocery store. Right. The other side of that business was uh, they made bread. Okay. So I worked like in the bakery part over the ovens baking breads because I didn't want to like get out of college. I knew I was going to take this road trip. I took a road Mm -hmm. trip and drove to Mardi Gras and back. So we did six weeks on the road and drove from Seattle to New Orleans and circled back. In a 78 VW and a 78 Volkswagen bus.
1: How many times did she break down on you? <laughs>
0: That's a magic number. It's three. It is always three. Okay. Everything happens in threes. Right. Um, yeah, that time. No, then when I was driving out to St. Thomas in the 78 Volkswagen bus, because then we drove the Volkswagen bus when I was moving. So from Seattle to Fort Lauderdale, and we shipped on a boat. The mm-hmm. bus? And my starter went out. And the starter is between the front the driver's front and the driver's rear tire so my buddy and i who were driving we'd pull in to stop gas and we had to turn the car off and so at that time we would kind of paper rock scissors and be like it's your turn crawl under the bus use the (laughs) screwdriver with the rubber handle to spark the starter (laughs) so we so we can arc the starter so we can start the bus while you're laying in a puddle of gas at a gas station hoping we don't blow up everybody and then we finally (laughs) rolled into cincinnati and got it fixed by a mechanic but yeah, oh
1: that was fun getting from. Okay. Like no, I the the whole the whole my my problem with the VW camper bus is I had an 80 Westfalia and I got it after I got divorced thinking my little kids would love to go camping and you know, let's see. I'm early thirties, divorced, no have you know have no money, yeah, cheap things. It's fan. a great time to spend yeah. with your family. Right. And my kids were terrified of this thing, so we never took it out once. They were just absolutely I could not figure out why they were terrified. Anyway, they were. And I wish I had mine. I wish I wouldn't have sold it. I think they're amazing, but I'm six foot four and 300 and some pounds. those
0: Those beds are not big enough.
1: They just, this is probably my problem with, with RV camping in, 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 in so is that or, or tent trailer, anything is finding stuff that I don't have to duck in. That's that to me has been the challenge in this whole thing. So, and I grew up in a household, like I said, that camping was, you know, no, but I love the whole VW bus thing. I love the idea of, you know, seeing, seeing, seeing America in the, in a, in a VW bus would be a lot of fun. I mean, I had 55 miles an hour. If you're downhill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, it's a fantastic way. Uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I would say that that kind of really got me started, in the beginning and maybe thinking about something like that. But again, right. I'm in my twenties and uh, you know, whatever. So it was just a, a great way to, to see America and um, travel around. And you know, the breakdowns, right. I mean, like in Louisiana, we sucked water in to my gas tank. And so we're in the, we're in Natchez, Mississippi, the day after fat Tuesday nursing a hangover and the bus won't start. And we're trying to figure out what to do. We've got our book out, I'm not super mechanical at this time. Like it's been a a long road to learn. My my dad didn't teach me a lot of stuff about engines (laughs) and how that stuff works. So I've kind of had to learn to do some of that on my own. But (laughs) at this time, we couldn't figure any of it out. And so finally, uh, my buddy's mom had given him a cell phone to use in emergency only. This is when you're paying for a minute. You know, this is, again, this is like 1997. (laughs) So we pull it out. We call AAA. <clears throat> and we're, excuse me. So we call AAA. We're trying to find a mechanic to work. And I mean, we're we're in the deep South and we're calling around a bunch of hippies and like, hey, do you work on Volkswagen? And like, that thing got dualies? And I'm like, no, it doesn't even have a radiator. Like I, I need help. <laughs> and finally we find a guy who's like, oh yeah, I can work on it. Get it towed here. So we get it towed. The tow truck driver, it was a flatbed tow truck. Put the bus on it. And that tow truck driver was amazing. He gave us the coolest history lesson as we were driving through looking at plantation houses and giving me the history of Natchez, Mississippi and Vidalia, Louisiana, which is just on the other side of the Mississippi, like the coolest conversation and the super nicest guy. He tows us in to the mechanic. This mechanic comes out. It's like 445 as we're getting dropped off. So unhook the bus, roll it into the lot there. And the mechanic's like, cool. All right, I'll see you boys in the morning. And we're like, um, that's our house. Is that cool? Can we just sleep in our bus and stay here on your property? And you know, we'll just be here when you get here at eight o'clock in the morning tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, let me just call the cops. Let them know you're going to be here so they don't think anything shady is going on. So he does okay. that. We get the pass. We're fine. I have a little Weber barbecue. We pull it down. We're making steaks in this parking lot. We're listening to music, like sitting in our lawn chairs and just whatever. Woke up and then. He unhooked my gas tank and emptied it and gave us fuel and away we went.
1: well, it's good that it was an easy fix, yeah, took some time, even though I'm all about washington state i I, I want to hear because i'm I'm curious this whole the big trip, yeah, shipping the bus, mm-hmm, what was that like for you <laughs> Yeah. It was pretty funny.
0: Uh, so we, we, right. So we kind of thought of it as our container. So we brought all of our, you know, it had some essential items that we were going to need just general household goods and whatever. Um, we rolled into Fort Lauderdale. We said goodbye to the bus as it got loaded onto a container ship. And then we took a taxi to the airport and flew out of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Excuse me. And then I think it was about two weeks, 10 days later, Uh, The bus showed up at the port in Charlotte, Amalia, and I got the call. So I went down to pick my bus up. I was thinking it was going to be $2,000, which is from all my research. It told me it was going to be about $2,000 to ship it. I had no idea that because it was a Volkswagen, it was a German, and I was going to have to pay an American import tax. Oh, no. So it became like $3,500. So I'm trying to scramble to figure out where to come up with $1,500 to get my car out of Hawk. And then in St. Thomas, this is a funny story, right? We know, as Americans, as Washingtonians, we know the government's corrupt. But at least stateside, they do a great job of concealing it. Down in St. Thomas, they don't. It's just, it's known, you just deal with it, it is what it is. So I had to go through an inspection lane where they don't check for emissions, but they're checking like, do your blinkers work? Does your horn work? Do your brake lights work? You know, that kind of stuff. And it's one of my first experiences with a West Indian. And the guy's like, Adama, hey, you know your muffler. It doesn't sound right to me. And, and, you know, Volkswagens are all bolt-on mufflers. And I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't sound right? And he goes, you need to go see my brother. He'll get you all fixed up right. He'll <laughs> sign your paperwork and you come back and we'll get you sticking. So I go down the road in my bus. I go see his brother. He charges me $50 for a bolt that he puts on my bus and signs the paperwork. So I'm paying the guy 50 bucks for A signature, essentially. Right. So fine. I go back to see his other brother. I get my plates. We're on our way. Now it's a year later. I'm a year wiser. I've been living down there a year now. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. I got to take the bus through inspection lane. And this lady that I worked with at the time, she goes, you need to call this guy Al. And I go, Al? She goes, yeah, you call Al. He'll take care of you. So she gives me the phone number. I call Al. and, And I'm going off in memory here. It doesn't matter. It's a story. But... I wanna say that getting through inspection lane at the time was $75. Al tells me it's gonna cost me 150 bucks to go through inspection lane. And I'm like, do, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So he comes to my place of work where I worked. He takes the license plates off my bus. I give him 150 bucks cash and the dude disappears for four hours and he's gone. I now can't drive home because he's got my plates. (laughs) I'm out 150 bucks. He comes back like at 4.30, right? I'm sweating. It's the end of my day. He comes back. I got new plates, a new sticker. My car passed inspection lane, no problem. So I don't know if he paid off somebody and then he got to put a little money in his pocket. He paid off whatever, but I got my sticker and got my plates and my car didn't even leave the employee parking lot to Uh, pass inspection lane.
1: We pay for convenience, don't we? All right. Yeah, we do. It was pretty fun. Oh, my gosh. All right. Why? Well, so one of the things we, we we obviously need to talk about. So let's 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 disclose that you you run a a podcast called RV Out West, that and is you're correct. currently you're currently publishing that what twice a month, twice a month every other okay. Monday. What yep. was your inspiration to start a podcast about RV? Sure. So, um,
0: I'm going to back up. To tell one little quick story, which will segue into why the podcast happened. So my wife, um, growing up in Philadelphia, was not a camper. She never camped. She was a city girl. She loved going to New York City to go to the museums and to go to the the theater and go to shows on Broadway and do all of that. Um, When we started dating, I convinced her to go spring break with me to Costa Rica. And she's like, well, where are we going to stand? I'm just going to bring a tent. And we'll find spots on the beach. I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I don't even know. And so she went with me. We were four months into dating. And so her yeah. first time sleeping in a tent was on the beaches of Costa Rica. So to your point about, uh, right, I want to ease her in. There's no sticks or rocks in your back. It's a nice cozy, you know, on the right. sand, the lapping sound of the, the yeah. Pacific. It was beautiful. She's like, I really like camping. And then we started doing more camping when we got back to California. So we'd go out to Yosemite or to, you know, the Sequoias or down to Death Valley and she was getting into it. Okay. So um, now we're back in Washington state. Fast forward, we've been car camping and, you know, she's done a couple of backpacking trips. And so um, we were over at some friends' houses. And at this time we had, my oldest was probably eight. And my youngest was like four or five. And we were over at some friends' houses at a barbecue and they had a tent trailer. But they had just upgraded to a travel trailer, and so as we were barbecuing, I'm like, "What are you guys going to do with your tent trailer?" And she goes, "We're going to sell it." Why do you want it? And in that exact moment, I said yes, and my wife said no, like yes, no. Oh. And I looked at her, and I was like, "Really?" And she goes, "Yeah, that's that's not camping. You're getting soft. What are you doing wanting to do?" Like she was ribbing me for wanting to get a tent trailer, and I'm in my 40s at this time. I'm like, you know, I think getting off the ground and. <laughs> You know, our kids are young, so we could put them to bed and know they're going to be safe in there, and then we can go sit by the fire and hang out. <clears throat> Pardon me. And she just was giving me shit about the whole thing. And uh, my friend was like, well, why don't you guys go talk about it, solve your marital <laughs> issue, and then let me know. I won't post anything until they hear from you. I'll give you guys first right of refusal. <laughs> so we come back. Wife and I are kind of going rounds and rounds talking about it, and she's still pretty adamant. Like, no, we're not going to do this, you know. And they were offering it to us at a really good price. And so uh, we go on an annual trip every year with another group of friends right after school. It's like 10 families. We go every year. We bounce around to different parts of Washington State. It's like a kickoff summer. Okay. And this other friend was like, I know you got this trip coming up. Look, why don't you guys just take the tent trailer? Just take it. Borrow it. Just go and enjoy your thing. And then when you get back, we'll figure out next steps, whatever it might be. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, totally. So we borrowed it. And uh, we got out late. And I was, you know, a smaller tent trailer, backing that up, it articulates. Mm -hmm. Like a smaller the trailer, the more difficult it is, in my opinion, to back up than a bigger, longer trailer because it articulates so quickly. So it took me a while. I've never really towed anything. I back it into the spot. We get it all set up fine. We go to bed. And the next morning, my wife rolls over to me and she goes, yeah, we're buying this. And I was like, I knew it. <laughs> One night, sleeping in a bed, not on the ground, and not having to set up a tent, you know. So
1: <laughs> that was our anniversary gift to ourselves um, okay. that year. What year What, what year of the marriage was this? Because I'm just checking to see if that is, is a tent trailer on that calendar, like, you know, paper, if gold. If not, it okay. should
0: be. If not, yeah. it should be. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to say this would have been like number...
1: 15 ish. So that's a significant, that's a significant, yeah. um, you know, time together. And yeah. Maybe Just, we know. should like, you're into marketing. Maybe we should start a marketing campaign for a, a
0: yeah, we need to up the, yeah, up the, yeah, up the things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. So we had the tent trailer. We used it for about two years and then what had happened and the tent trailer's name was Pippa. She was Pippa the pop-up. I'm actually in touch with Pippa's current owners to hopefully bring them on my show. To hear, get an update on how Pippa is doing for their okay. family. More to come right. on that later. All right. But um, we were camping with some all that group of friends, like I was saying. Right. This was year two of the tent trailer. And we were in, oh, where were we? Bridgeport State Park over kind of, if you hook up around Chief, Joseph's, Chief yep. Joseph Dam. We yep. were camping there and it was hot, like in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. and the kids were out riding bicycles and water balloon fighting and just being kids and then they all kind of started falling from like heat exhaustion so we've got pedialyte pops in the cooler so we're trying to give them the pedialyte pops to whatever and some other friends there had a trailer and like why don't we bring the kids into the trailer we'll kick on the AC they can watch a movie for an hour and a half and cool out so we don't have anybody needing to go to the hospital
1: great right. idea yeah.
0: so we're like hmm AC might be nice <laughs> you are getting soft
1: i'm just gonna tell you yeah yeah, yeah. Soft. oh 100 100%, yeah 100%.
0: <laughs> so i'm like oh ac might be nice and then the covid lockdown happened all right and so we're stuck in home we're actually in the middle of a remodel at this time so now we've got four of us home all remote working kids doing zoom school and then i've got table saws and the contractors running in and out doing whatever and i'm like i just want to get out of the house but I don't want to use enough public bathrooms and state parks were shut down during COVID. So I'm like, we're not gonna whatever. Um, and so we pulled the trigger on the travel trailer so we could have our self-contained bathroom and the AC. Okay. And then everything else was just an added bonus. So, so that's how we what ended is up with the travel trailer.
1: What is the trail? What, what size travel
0: trailer do you have? It is a 26 foot travel trailer. It's got mm-hmm. a double over double bunks for the kids. Mm-hmm. And the other big thing for my wife and I is that we wanted a walk around bed. Okay. So that way when you're getting in and out of bed, you don't have to crawl over each other. So we can right. each access our side of the beds from our side. Okay. But back to your original question of why I started my podcast was because we had had this growth ourselves of, as mm-hmm. we went from a tent trailer into a travel trailer, learning is a bit of a curve when you get into a larger travel trailer and, you know, now you got more systems you've got to, maintain a lot to learn Uh, even the big steps of dumping the poo tank i mean that was Mm -hmm. it's not hard but you know it's terrifying the first time you're like i don't want to get covered in poo so trying to figure that all out
1: you used to climb underneath a volkswagen in a gasoline and spark things, you shouldn't. Yeah, if you yeah do but the, that- the pooper. I don't want. I don't want poop spilling on. You know, like I don't want to be like cousin
0: Eddie sitting there and being like, "Hey, Clark, the shitter's full," and I got a can of beer and a a cigar with myself. I got it. You know, I got to be mindful about that. You know, so oh the gosh. Harbor Freight blue gloves come in handy. You know, so oh, it's fine. Okay. And now I'm a pro at it. And, you know, I, I laugh at the other people now, and it's like, oh, I remember those days. Um, but so. With the pandemic, I I needed a creative outlet and I needed to be able to to talk and do things. And so coming with a visual journalism visual journalism also background, storytelling and narration and all of that.
1: My this is my first time that my dog is interrupting a podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Do what you need to do. I get it. Come on.
0: You can check out my show, though, at (laughs) rvoutwest.com. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe I should use this interlude to tell a joke. No? Maybe? Well, that was fun. Thanks for listening. So I uh, just kind of was looking for a creative outlet, so I decided to really uh, niche down and talk about RVing around the Pacific Northwest, two things that I really enjoy doing, and I'm a lover and a consumer of podcasts and all sorts Mm -hmm. of content. I probably watch YouTube more than I watch anything else.
1: Okay. So just, yeah. I haven't listened to your podcast yet. Full disclosure. Okay. We share a guest in common. Uh, Tara has been on your show and on my show. Yep. Um, What's your angle? What's your, what's your show's goal? What are you trying to, what are you trying to, who's your audience? My audience is, you know,
0: um, people who I think mostly are from the Pacific Northwest who like to RV around the north in the Pacific Northwest. You know, I kind of cover Washington, Oregon, for sure. I I haven't done much in Idaho, but that doesn't mean that it's not an option. Um, But I also want to encourage those who maybe don't live within the boundaries of our bioregion to really advocate that. RVing in the Pacific Northwest, I think a lot of people overlook because whatever, maybe it's the stereotype of it rains all the time, whatever, but (laughs) it's a real gem. Um, Mm -hmm. And so maybe those people who are in their planning stages of summer trips and and thinking about coming out here to check out, you know, our national parks. I mean, we're a state with three national parks for as big as a state we are. That's pretty remarkable that we have three national parks. So that's a good point. And, you know, I, I, I've said on my show a couple of times, too, I think one of the things that I think makes Washington State really, really special, you know, we always say, oh, it's where the mountains meet the ocean. But if we were to make for the sake of redrawing our state map, let's just say that we made Seattle the epicenter of our state, just geographically.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Within a four hour driving radius of Washington State, you have a desert You have the Mm -hmm. rolling wheat fields of the Palouse in one country. You have the Columbia River Gorge, where if you're a history buff and you want to see how Lewis and Clark came out along from Missouri, you got that. We have the Pacific Ocean. We have the rainforest. We have the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We have the North Cascades. We have a whole other country to Mm -hmm. the north. And then we have two major Cities, if you're a, you know, metropolitan person with Portland to the south and, and then Seattle, I mean, it's rainforests.
1: We got, it's just, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to argue this point with you. Oh, bring it on. Four hours, not taking into account traffic.
0: No, of course not. I, I'm <laughs> saying
1: like, yeah, no. Well, and actually, yeah. okay.
0: So I will, I Six will hours out that. to Spokane. Five hours
1: to Spokane. Yeah. But here's the thing. Actually, within four hours, if, if, if Seattle is the center of the state. You've got not just Portland, you've got Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, British Columbia. That's what I'm saying. You so have a whole other country yeah. to the north. So you have, but you have so you have three major metropolitan areas, each with a very distinct flavor of um right. options to do. Okay. And Whistler no, and that's mean, true it's
0: five hours. I mean, you know, yeah. From where I live, it's, I'm
1: north of Seattle a little
0: bit, but Whistler's four and a half, five hours.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. You got world class skiing, you mountain got, biking. Right. All all the things that I don't do. Right. I just but but my world, if Seattle was the center, think of all the coffee shops I could go to. Exactly. <laughs> Within well, and four I'm a hours. vinyl geek,
0: too. So the record stores okay. are, are thriving and coming back. So, yes, you know, a day of yes. coffee and records and whatever. I mean, I can.
1: There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's keep going on the podcast, though. So you're, you're, sure. your mandate is you're trying to encourage and um, empower people to get out and explore the state using an RV. Yes. Okay.
0: That's a great way to put it.
1: Absolutely. Okay. That's a beautiful statement. If I put you on the spot. Yeah. This is a four part question. Okay. I want to know your favorite, where's the best place to go RVing in in Washington state, fall, winter, spring, and summer. So each season you get to, I'm forcing you to pick one per season.
0: One per season or one location that's good for all four seasons?
1: No, no. You can pick four separate. So let's start. Spring. Where's the best place in Washington State to go RVing? Well, because I live on the wet side of the
0: mountains, Mm -hmm. uh, memorial weekend in springtime, I go east of the mountains because I'm chasing sunshine. And where do you go? So I just booked. We're going to be heading out to Kennewick this year. Okay. Um, But I will do... um, Lincoln Rock State Park is a cool mm-hmm. one right there by Wenatchee. Yep. Um, Bridgeport, I've mentioned before, but I really like going to Bridgeport. I've done mm-hmm. Curlew in the summer, and I'd like to go back to Curlew Lake there in Republic. Not in the summer. I went that year. It was 115, and that was gnarly. So maybe mm-hmm. a good spring trip out to Curlew.
1: Okay. All right. I'll give you a Summertime. couple different options. Summertime. Summertime.
0: Uh, Cape Disappointment. At the mouth of the Columbia River okay, is a great one. Um, and what's actually, is really centrally located. So, I mean, you can do day trips down to Astoria and go do Astoria. You can just spend the day on the beach. Um, and also the fun thing about Cape Disappointment is there is zero cell phone coverage. So, it is a forced unplugging. So, there's no, you can't remote work from the campground. You're not going to be able to stream anything. It is a forced unplug. And there's a lot of trees, so it's really easy to hang a hammock. I'm a big hammock guy. Okay. So Cape Disappointment for summer.
1: All right. Fall?
0: Fall. Deceptions Pass. Mm, okay. I love going to Deception Pass State Park in the fall. Okay. It's really cozy. It's fun. I can smell the campfires right now.
1: All in right. Winter. winter time. Yeah. So I, going I haven't
0: done this yet. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, but I'm going to say Stevens Pass parking lot. So they have a parking lot at Stevens Pass. It's called lot F and Mm -hmm. they have, uh, electric hookups. And as I've mentioned, we're a big ski and snowboard family. Um, my kids have been, my youngest is eight and she's been on skis since she's four. Okay. and so to be able to do a ski and ski-out from the trailer is a big on my agenda for this year to go and do the whole
1: ski and okay. ski-out
0: from the trailer. The parking lot. And I hear it's a fun party.
1: <laughs> you just got done espousing the virtues of Washington State being this beautiful state with the mountains, the ocean, yeah. and all these things, and you say a parking lot.
0: I had a parking lot. I know, right? I mean, what can I say? It's I a parking it. lot in the Cascade Mountains. I know, I know, but that's it's not like I suggested awful. a Walmart parking lot or something. I mean, come on. Oh, give me a yeah, bag.
1: that's that's true. So, your your trailer, how how comfortable will it be during the extremes of summer and in the extremes of winter? Well, I mean, I've got propane heaters, and mm-hmm.
0: you know, so I mean, I can heat the trailer. It's got the underbellies covered. So when okay. we bought it, it's it's uh used for year round. I mean, we do use our trailer ten months out of the year. I have fifty okay. plus nights a year in my trailer. Um, okay. So all right, w- you know we bought it and, and we use it. I, you know, I. Um, what do you pull it with? Um, I just played the upgrade game a year ago. I was pulling it with a 2013 um, Ford F-150 with the five liter Coyote engine, which is a great right. truck. But I would pull Highway 2 going over the Cascades at about 45 miles an hour. And okay. it was really, my trailer was making that truck work. And, you know, they say you want to be at about 80% of your towing capacity. So, you have buffer for braking and coming down off of mountain passes and whatever. And I really was at the top end. Um, and so, last December, I went full one-ton Ram coming six-seven diesel. And, I mean... I can't even tell my trailers behind it. I
1: was going to say, you probably don't even know the trailers behind it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was, now, are, these, I, you know, are these the type of topics that you, you bring up on your show? Are you? So to some degree, yes. So
0: like I actually, um, I have an upcoming episode dropping on Monday where I'm actually talking about biodiesel and what does biodiesel as a renewable energy source mean for RVers and motor, you know, motor homes that run on diesel. Mm-hmm. But um you know like i we've inter- i've interviewed tara um of tara's tiny trailer we i talk about places i've gone camping and kind of what are things to think about in that spot you know whether if you're a remote worker what are some things what i'd like to do in that area i've covered astoria oregon i've talked about if you only have a day in seattle how would i recommend somebody spends a day in uh seattle okay um i talk about Man, let's see. I've covered uh, Northwest Nomads, which is a really cool community gathering event in Oregon, kind of like Descend on Bend, but a Mm -hmm. smaller um, event. Boondocking is a term RVers use where you're camping on like BLM land or Forest Mm -hmm. Service land so you can camp for free, but you don't Mm -hmm. have any hookups. So you've got to bring you know, a generator or have solar power and a bunch of battery banks. And so there's talks about going boondocking, I've interviewed um, the senior public relations manager of geocache, Chris Ronan. And we've talked about how geocaching can be a fun game to play as a family when you're out RVing and using that. Um, I talked with the Washington trails association about hiking and where to go hiking and hiking related activities to do while you're RVing. So we kind of cover all the aspects of, You know, I offer suggestions and tips on things I've learned, mistakes I've made, why we got into RVing, how to prep to make your trip better, and then locations. So a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. But it's all pretty much about the Pacific Northwest, Washington State,
1: and Oregon. Share with me something at a beginning RVer should know but won't know. Man, I would say... The one little
0: nugget that I wish I had known before I started is that if you're doing a towable, actually, I bet it's probably even the same with a motorhome, but it's a rolling earthquake. And so when you get to camp and you're setting up camp, um, you're going to find random screws and nuts and things that you have no idea where they came from until something falls off the wall later you know kind of thing and so you're like oh that's where that screw came from so um you're going to need to have a bit of a diy um spirit you know or not be afraid to jump in to try and do maintenance or to fix things because you know that they may look cool but the manufacturers are really doing everything they can to make them as light as possible so people have a better time towing it's that balance between right towing and tow capacity and what it's going to take and so You know, the craftsmanship on an RV is not nearly equal to, you know, when you have a home. Um, And the other big thing that was a real learning curve for us is that when we bought our trailer, we bought our trailer down in Kent Mm -hmm. and I live in Everett. Um, And if you buy new and you're looking and thinking, okay, great, we're going to have a warranty. I can get warranty work done. Mm -hmm. RV dealerships do not operate the same as automotive dealerships. And so just because you have one brand, you're like, oh, I could go to any dealer closer to me who sells that same brand and get the warranty work done. Um, they will do it, but it, they're more hesitant. You're typically bottom of the pile, especially you know as things go on because you didn't buy it from them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And from that perspective, my understanding is that it's because right those shops have had different rates for their technicians and their um, mechanics Mm -hmm. that they pay on warranty work. And so those shops don't necessarily make as much money on warranty work. And so if you didn't buy it from them, so it's a right. So that's something I didn't know. And I kind of came to a head a little bit. So those are the two big things. That's,
1: that's actually a a really interesting point because if you buy a, a Ram pickup, I could go to any Ram shop, right? It's got a recall. Let's say it's got a recall on it. Passenger side airbag. You can take it to Kellogg, Idaho, or to Bellingham, Washington, and they'll they'll fix it. Okay. Correct. That's a, that's a really interesting tip. All right, let's talk let's talk coffee. <sighs> Before we hit record, yeah, you've seen the light, the Aeropress light. Well, I haven't. You, I've never actually tasted well, one. But you but see, you I've you seen. Now, I've been teased. You've you seen it. I've you seen up the skirt the a little yet. bit. Yeah. Right. Good coffee around you, where you live. Where do you like to go for coffee in your center of your world? So in my center of the world, um, I actually
0: really like going to Narrative Coffee. Um, Mm. And I'm lucky that it's right here in town and I can go to Narrative Coffee. Uh, Maxwell Mooney, the owner and proprietor of that coffee shop, is a really great guy He And it's a really cool story. Um, Hopefully one day you can get him on the show. He started as an espresso cart. And (laughs) it wasn't a brick and mortar, just started as an espresso cart. He would roll up in downtown Everett during the summer and the spring when it wasn't raining. And you could go and get a cup of coffee. But what I like about that is almost like when I go to a bartender, I'll go there and I'll be like, okay, I'm normally like a pour over guy. But maybe I shouldn't do a pour over today. What do you guys recommend? And so I kind of ask them and they're like, You should try this. And so I'm, sounds good. Let's do it. And so I go in there adventurous with them and have Mm -hmm. been delighted every single time I've had a cup of coffee from them.
1: Are you, you mentioned pour over. Is that your typical go-to? When I go to narrative, I like
0: the pour over because, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll have a bunch of different beans and roasted. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you really get a good full flavor. And I drink my coffee black. I don't put things in my coffee. As you should, and so they will. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's just to pour over. I feel
1: like I okay. get nice aromas, aromatics, and okay. whatever. All right, how do you like your coffee on the on the roasted scale? Are you a light roast guy, dark roast, medium? You know, what do you what do you tend to gravitate towards? I'm probably a medium roast, medium
0: okay. to a dark, depending on a mood. But I'm gonna say I'm probably okay. a medium roast kind of guy.
1: All right. And there too is a great space. I haven't been to the Bellingham location, been to the Everyone. Every yep. location is thumbs up. All right. One of the things that we talked about when we had the original phone call, <clears throat> you have this side thing going on. Mm. Vinyl. Yeah. Before we get started on that, are you aware that vinyl was invented in Washington state? Absolutely not. I had no idea. You have to tell me more. I really don't know much more. So vinyl was invented in Washington state. Yes. So I was, so one of the things that we're going to be doing starting soon Mm -hmm. is putting out another show. That's going to be interesting tips and factoids about Washington state. And so we've been doing a bunch of research and, I ended up on the state of Washington's economic commerce site. Um, and they were, they have a timeline of of Washington state innovations back from the 1800s to today. Vinyl was invented in Washington state as was the, the compact disc and the whammy bar and the whammy bar, which was amazing to me as that was 1979. Yeah. Yeah. So so you are a vinyl guy. You're into vinyl. I had no
0: idea. That is so cool. Absolutely. I have. I've never stopped,
1: actually. See, I got rid of all my records because I had, I still do have this massive CD collection. And, it, you know, and now I don't play the CDs. I stream all my music.
0: Which <sighs> is why vinyl's so cool. Right? So um, I'm a streamer. I stream a lot of my music, too. Like, I'm not such a vinyl snob that if I'm only listening to music, it's on record. Right but i feel like the physical medium and format of vinyl means you're going to be way more mindful oh, and actually listen to that music you're going to sit down with a good cup of coffee a nice pint of beer a nice bourbon whatever your drink right. of choice might be you're going to mm-hmm. read the liner notes you're going to uh-huh. look at the no. album artwork while you're oh the
1: well, yeah so to circle to circle back to something you you mentioned about about cape uh, cape disappointment is with no cell coverage and you and you said it, um, you said it in a way that you thought I, I my interpretation was you liked the idea that you had no cell coverage. So you were forced to disconnect you were forced to disconnect, which I believe is becoming more and more a thing with with Americans. We like to we we all want to be super connected, but we also are burned out now and we need to take breaks. We need to reset. Yep. All right. So the idea of listening to a record, an album, to me is experiencing it the way the artist designed it to be versus listening to the best song on the album, if you will. Correct. And, and so I like the idea of, you know, taking the album out, putting it on the platter, putting the tone arm over, listening to it, and being mindful of it like you were describing with, with, with my favorite beverage. Yep. It's ritualistic. Yeah. And, and, and you don't get that when you stream the album on Spotify or when you put the CD, the CD into the, into the player. Right. And playlist. I will Mm -hmm. go to tapes. If we want to talk about cassette tapes, the Mm -hmm. art of
0: making a mixed tape for a friend, a girlfriend, like there was a whole, I mean, I paid attention to how the song ended to how the next song started. How much space did I allocate between each song? Like, Was the first one upbeat tempo and then did I want to go mellow or do I want to stay there or go amplify it more? Like it depended on what, right? The whole mixtape and the art. And I feel like just slapping playlists together, Mm -hmm. is no. I don't give it that much attention because I'll just go, I like this song, I like this song, boom, shuffle, done. And my playlist is rocking and rolling. But
1: have you ever watched the movie High Fidelity? Of course. And I want
0: to be that. I want to be Jack Black. Like if you come to my record store and you go to buy an album and I don't think you're worthy enough of it, I want to snatch it out of your hands and be like, no, you don't get to buy this album.
1: Right. Have Check. you ever read the book? No. The book, okay, most of the time when people say, you know, books are always better than the movies, right? They do. High Fidelity is a movie, is, is a brilliant movie. The, the TV show, the series that they put out was was pretty good too. But there's something about the book because the book's set in London versus Chicago and, but high fidelity. So you, yeah, I, I, the whole Jack Black character was, 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 you know, the whole, well, you're all snobs. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. We can be right. snobs. You, you're not. So how Funny. did you, how'd you end up doing a vinyl pop-up? What, what was the, what was the inspiration there?
0: Perfect story. So a friend of mine, Ryan, our families were camping springtime, in winthrop washington um we were sitting around a campfire ryan and i were into a few glasses of bourbon the kids are asleep and um we started bitching that there really was no place in everett for us to go buy new records we have one record store in town and the guy has a really it's a good size but it's all used records so if you want to go thumb through and find jazz music or blues or country western or rock and roll you're going to find all the classics right you're going to find what i would call classic rock and you know right you're going to find acdc you're going to find Mm -hmm. credence you're going to find you know the dead and you know but you might not find the red hot chili peppers if you do that's a little nugget score you found there hey good for you Mm -hmm. um and so we were like yeah there really isn't a place to buy new records well we should do something about that Hell yeah, we should do something about that. What's that going to look like? Well, I'm not going to quit my job. I don't think opening up a brick and mortar retail environment for records right now is a really smart business decision. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do a pop up? And we can pop up in tap rooms and pubs and bars around town. We're only going to stay in Everett. We only have a business license to do business in Everett. Um, so we were like, yes, let's do it. And so literally on the drive home from Winthrop our wives are texting each other saying, well, what about this name? What about this name? And so we landed on upper left records, literally in the two hour Mm -hmm. drive home and within 90 days of that camping trip, we had our first pop up. So we secured an LLC. We got business insurance. We bought into the business. We bought, we're, you know, wholesale buyers. So we buy from wholesale distribution because we want to sell everything new. Mm -hmm. we you know the plastic sleeves we sleeve everything because we want right we want you to have that we want to give that element of care to Mm -hmm. people's collections um we don't post our inventory online right because we both are firm believers in the fun of the crate digging and so Mm -hmm. and our inventory is constantly changing we like to say we're mindfully curated so mm-hmm. Ryan and I will sit down and be like, okay, we need to buy for an upcoming pop-up. And so we're discovering one of the, I've discovered so much new music and new bands. We'd love to support local artists. So mm-hmm. we've had Fretlands, they're a Snohomish County band that Hillary Fretland, she's actually just moved to Nashville, but Fretlands is fantastic. Uh, the Lowdown Drifters out of Stanwood produce records. And so we've had their records. Um, Oliver Elf Army is a local Sinister pop band here in Everett that produce vinyl. And so we, you know, want to support even those local, hyper local bands that are putting the money into producing wax. And so we'll mm-hmm. buy wholesale from them and then sell them awesome. in our store.
1: Are you familiar with Crane City Records? No. So, um, It's a hip hop record label. Okay. Owned by a guy, uh, Gary Campbell. Just had him on. Just. Uh, his his episode. Well, by the time this one goes live, both of his episodes will have been published. But Gary, uh, what Gary does is he works with local Seattle hip hop artists and licenses the music to put it out on vinyl one time. So they get they get all they keep all their rights. You know, he's not he's not taking their music rights from them or anything like that. And he is helping local uh, Seattle hip hop artists get their stuff out on vinyl, and they do some really. The albums are really, really nicely done. There's a lot of attention to detail. Um, so cool that are, yeah, that artwork and all that that goes along with it yeah. is you know it's it's very cool. So there's um, there's a, another wonderful that's thing. great. Yeah, yeah. So so, yes. so how do people find out where you're popping up?
0: Uh, you can give us a follow on Instagram at Upper Left Records. Okay. Um, and so we'll we'll put it in the um, profile there and announce, or you can go to upperleftrecords.com.
1: And okay. we'll have events there. Yeah. How many, how many pop-ups are you guys doing? Mm,
0: maybe six a year. Right. Okay. I mean, we both have full-time jobs. We're dads. Sure. Um,
1: and you camp, you camp 50 times a year. So you've right, got to camp a lot, your priorities right? right.
0: So we just popped up in September and then, uh I don't think we're going to pop up in October and then we'll probably do November. And then December we do mm-hmm. it soundbite cider typically. And we do kind of a slacker Christmas party cause Gen X rocks. And so mm-hmm. we'll do it the week before Christmas and it's a come get a present for yourself or somebody, you know, you want to give a present to. So, and even a week out it, for a slacker, that's, that's a yeah. lot of
1: planning. What's the most popular album you guys have been selling? What's the most, for your, for your audience, what's the most, let let me rephrase that. What's the most popular genre? Genre is all over the map. We carry, I mean, everything from like singer, songwriters, hip hop.
0: Um, We, we carry country, you know, but I mean, again, like we're, we're not going to have, you know, we're going to have like, are you familiar? Like uh, one of my favorite, I learned of country music artists who was, uh, is blaze Foley f-o-l-e-y blaze foley he Mm -hmm. uh a really interesting kind of sad story he's incredible but we've had blaze foley in the crates um Mm -hmm. but you know i've had wu-tang 36 chambers and that flies out of the crates every time we put wu-tang 36 chambers on vinyl in right out of the crate Uh, i'm also a big punk rock guy so we'll Mm -hmm. have descendants and no effects and rise against and some of those bands in all right um yeah, we uh, Ryan really likes the blues, so we'll have a lot of um, R.L. Burnside, and you know okay. we've had some blues in there. Um, what else flies out, though? Oh, Jack Black playing with um, the album's Van Leer Rose. I got to look that up. I'm just drawing a blank because whatever. Okay. Um, Loretta Lynn. It's Jack oh. Black of the White Stripes playing with Loretta Lynn redoing Van Leer Rose, which is one of Loretta Lynn's classic albums, but you've got right. Jack White's guitar sound in it. And he's sing it. It's an amazing album. And that one, um, flies out of the crates a lot too.
1: All right. Another question I like to ask guests typically is what didn't go right? Like if you're a business owner, what didn't go right? So I'm going to ask you this, what record did you guys think was going to be a you know, fly out of the crate, but just didn't do it. Um,
0: it was Ashley Monroe. Okay. And we had Ashley Monroe in the crates for almost two years. Okay. And then we popped up at Fisherman's Village Music Festival. And Ryan, my business partner, was like, I think we need to put this one. We don't right do sales. We have very narrow margins on our records. Right. right. I mean, hopefully people right. come for the experience of digging crates and realizing they're mm-hmm. kind of supporting a small business. But sure. Ryan and I, we're not pulling revenue and profit out of the business. We're turning around, putting everything back in to buy more records and whatever. We pay ourselves with records. Honestly, that's what we... we
1: right. Well, no, we, and it's, that's beautiful, though. It's, it's, it a, it's your side... It's I don't want to little, call it a hustle. That side hustle's so yeah. overwrought. But it's just it's it's a, something we do for a fun. self-funded hobby. Yes. You know, but a self-funding what, hobby. But so we don't
0: typically discount and put things on sale. And so okay. we are leading into the Fisherman's Village Music Festival, which is a great music festival that happens here in Everett. And uh, Ryan was like, we should probably put Ash and Minerons. And I'm like, let's wait. Let's get through Fisherman's Village because we're going to get a lot of new people who are not familiar with us. And then, right. you know, if for some reason it doesn't sell this weekend, then the next time we pop up, we'll discount. Makes sense. Right. And we finally
1: sold her. She went out of the crates. Okay. and Somebody bought okay. it. So I, I think of this like you guys are curating. Yes. Yeah. And, and so people are going and they're curated crates. There's, there's interesting things in there that you're not you going to find ha- normal record stores. Right. right. And that's awesome.
0: Well, so like in our total inventory at max right now mm-hmm. is 200 records. Right. Like, that's our total inventory. People are like, Oh, where's your brick and mortar? What, a, what you see in the crates is what we have. There's no, I'm not hiding things under a table or got a back room <laughs> full of inventory that, you know, what you see in the crates right. is what we got. Funny story when, um, so I have a cousin Mm -hmm. and uh, he is totally into doom and death metal, like that whole collateral, you know, whatever. That's not necessarily my cup of tea, but whatever. Well, and he Mm -hmm. goes every year to uh, a doom metal or a metal music festival in, I think it's in Rotterdam called, I don't remember, but anyway, he goes every year. Well, one year he was there having beers with his buddies and he decided to start a record label because Doom Metal wasn't getting pressed on vinyl. And so my cousin mm-hmm. started a little record label. So the day that Ryan and I, my business partner and friend, were popping up our very first pop-up, we're all excited, we're pushing out social media, we're going to the tap room to get set up and a UPS drops off a box of records. And we're like, man, we've already done inventory. What is this? Who did we forget to include? I open it up and it's four albums of death metal and doom metal that my cousin had mm-hmm. just gifted us to include in the thing. So we threw them in the crates, slapped a sticker on them, you know, price tag, whatever, put them in the crates. Three of the four albums sold in our pop up. And I was wow. like, I can guarantee that these are the only four albums in all of Washington State for these bands.
1: Wow. Okay. Cool.
0: Yeah, it was kind of fun. So that's that whole mindfully curated. We carry stuff. That's very cool. That's very cool. We want to turn people on to other music. We don't want people getting in a rut listening to the same stuff and whatever. I mean, we all have our favorite bands that we like listening to. We have our closet music that we don't ever like to admit that we listen to. All right, you know. go ahead. Mine. Share. You. What? What? I'm not what's a, you. what's
1: some? Come on. I'll 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 share one afterwards. I will.
0: I'm a parrot head. I do love me Jimmy Buffett.
1: Great concert, man.
0: Oh, I saw him 97 at the Gorge. 96, 97, 98, somewhere in that. I brought no food and we just drank margaritas and I lived on margaritas for 24 hours. It was awesome. He Great. Uh,
1: Jimmy Buffett.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'm a parrot head. I like Jimmy Buffett.
1: Okay. Oh, I have to say something because I did tell you I would say I... I'm not ashamed of it, but I, I don't know a lot of people anymore. I I listen to Boss Skags. Oh, okay. And yacht and yacht rock. My sister dated Oscar Skaggs. Who I don't know Oscar Skaggs. Boss Skagg's son. Really? Yep. Okay. So I I kind of like that whole 70 late 70s, early 80s yacht rock stuff. hmm On occasion.
0: But I've What's seen the Boss occasion, Typically, what moves you when you're like, I it's time to listen to some boss skags right now.
1: Well, Boss Gags comes up on my on my Spotify playlist all the time, and so it it I listen to Boss Gags probably on a daily basis. I've seen him six times or so, and puts on a good show. My only my only regret now is that he's doing like the casino tours, you know. So he's going mm-hmm. to Emerald Queen, yeah. and he plays for exactly sixty minutes, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's not, it's it's a it's a show, not a concert. Right. What was um, your first concert? Cheap trick. Oh, cool. Where? Uh, Heck Edmondson Pavilion at the University of Washington. Okay. Mine was Chicago 17 at the Tacoma. Okay. okay.
0: I yeah, just chi- took my uh, kids to their first Gorge show this summer. Okay. What'd you go, what'd you go see? The Chicks. This is my wife's okay. favorite band. And we were driving mm-hmm. uh, back on our cross-country road trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, our last night on the road, we got we ended up at the Gorge. I mean, I rerouted our last three days so we could go to the right. show.
1: And and what did your kids think of the Gorge?
0: They loved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was that a hell of be, a first show for them. I mean, I
1: set the bar pretty high. <laughs> yeah, the Gorge, is, the Gorge is a magical. I've seen, I don't know how many shows I've seen. Yeah. I mean, one of I my favorite first, shows. first show there was Dylan, and I saw that. Um, back when, I mean, parking lot had no lights. Yeah. It, uh, you know, lost it was 20 to bucks your a carload
0: co- to go camping versus, yeah, I mean. yeah. I paid $185 for one night to be able to park my camper. It was ridiculous. Like that's yeah, crazy.
1: I, I did ca- I did car camp for a dead show there once. That was a mistake of epic proportions. Slept in my minivan. No. I didn't sleep. I did not sleep. It okay. was a rough, rough night. All right. I have three, three, three things. Yep. We'll wrap this up with three things. Number one. And this will be the last time I explain it to the to the audience and to the guests and stop giving credit. I'm just going to claim it's mine. I stole this question from another guest who has a, a podcast of theirs and I thought it was a really cool question. So I'm stealing it. Cake or pie and why?
0: <sighs> so um, I am a type 1.5 diabetic. Meaning 10. that I got diabetes at 38 and I'm one of the like lucky whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm on an insulin pump and whatever. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about 10. my drugs now. Um, okay. That's a tough go, man. It's a toss up between. So if I were to do a pie, I'm a traditional apple pie. Not, I don't need the Yankee apple pie. Don't be putting cheddar cheese on top of my pie. What are you, what are you doing? So I, I love a good apple pie. All, All right. right. For a cake, it's a toss-up between I love a really good, like, traditional New York-style cheesecake. It's a little more dense, and, you know, but I So, man, it's a toss-up. But honestly, if I were to have one of those treats and there was no whatever, I'm a cannoli guy. Like, I really love a good cannoli when they're done right. right. Then they have to be done right. I'm a snob when it comes to cannolis. All right. So I didn't really answer it.
1: Sorry. No, and what's so funny is that nobody really answers the question. We all dance around it. It's Ooh, so funny to me. I don't how want people to commit. Are, well, well, if it's cake, it's got to be this or that. Anyway, it's just good question. All right. What didn't I ask you that I should have asked you? Fun little, I have a fun
0: nugget to share that I'm kind of proud of. All right. Um, when I was in visual journalism school, I attended the Brooks Institute of Photography. And uh, while I was in visual journalism school, I I worked at a brew pub as like my little side job to help, you know, cover rent and food and that kind of stuff, film processing in that day. And uh, one of the guys that I worked with was a film editor. And he told me about a project that he was working on and they needed a still set photographer. So I met with the producer and the director and they brought me on board to be the still set photographer on this film. And that film won an Academy Award in 2005. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. It was kind of fun. I don't, you know, it was just kind of fun. That's, I didn't know. So here I am at like 30 years old and I'm like, I get to add an Academy Award to my resume right now. This is kind of cool and fun, but. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Yeah. And it was a, what? Did, it was a documentary. It won a doc. So in the academy division it was the academy or in the documentary short so these are Mm -hmm. documentaries under an hour or 45 minutes Mm -hmm. i think it's under an hour where most of the traditional documentaries you see on netflix or amazon are the more um, feature-length documentaries and it was on um it's called a mighty times the children's march and it's about how dr king and the children revolted against uh Bull Connor, who was the chief of police for uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And these Mm -hmm. kids were coming out of a church and getting into a nonviolent tussle with uh, Bull Connor and his team of um, police. And they were spraying kids down with fire hydrants and releasing German shepherds to attack. It was crazy. Um, And so they did a documentary about, that, that because the mm-hmm. kids were actually very, very successful in shedding light on all of that. So it's called the children's March. If you ever just Googled the okay. children's March, but, and it was in conjunction with the Southern Poverty Law Center it was an HBO documentary. So yeah, that's just okay. a fun little nugget.
1: Where can people find out more about, about you, about your podcast, about your pop-up? Sure. So you where, can, where uh, do you want to send them? Everybody, we're all on Instagram.
0: So if you want to know more about the record store, you can go to Upper Left Records on Instagram. Uh, If you're interested in my RV Out West podcast, you can find me at RV underscore out underscore west on Instagram or go to RVOutWest.com and get information, find episodes. My podcast, like yours, is in all of the directories. So wherever people are consuming their podcasts, you can find RV Out West in Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, I use overcast. So, okay.
1: Yeah. All the places, all of them. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me today. Yeah. Luckily, this I is I a lot of coffee. coffee. Yeah. Well, Lubricate exactly. the throat nodules. Right. And you know, I can't, you well. know, but first coffee. Um, although I did do a, an episode with a, with a chef who does Austin, uh, Austin style breakfast tacos. And her thing is, but first tacos. And honestly, I can't argue with that statement. either. No, I couldn't either. Just can't. No. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, Brooks, thanks so much. And I will be tuning into your podcast. I do want to check it out. I think you've got, uh, there's a lot going on there. I think it's a topic that's, uh, going to be very, uh, interesting to people because, well, have you priced RVs lately? The demand is out off, off. Yep charts
0: and the other thing real quick just I want to just say about the show when I was in my research phase of starting my own podcast my show is only typically about 25 minutes long and that I did with intention because Mm -hmm. the average commute is about 25 minutes long and so I wanted people to be able to consume an episode on their way to or from work Mm -hmm. and so that's what I did
1: and I think that's a I think that's a, a a viable a completely realistic and viable um strategy to have yeah I with this show we went the other direction I want people to be able to go deep on the topic if they yep. want to share so that you're yep. you're not cut like for example and no no disrespect to like evening magazine great show right right but you get like a four minute clip. Of, of somebody and you're, you don't really get to know that much about what they're doing right now so it's great for discovery but it's not great for if you're if you want to dig deep on on the topic and let people uh go well i think an interview but
0: format the, caters better to a longer format as well so
1: there's that and and i also but i also do agree that the the commute uh making it more bite-sized and consumable you know i look at it as um because like I said, we're going to start another show and that's going to be like the appetizer. And if you want the full meal, you can come and sit down and have dessert on the big show, you know, dinner and dessert with the, with the long form show. So, uh, but that being said, thanks so much for being here. This is a lot of fun for me. And, uh, I know we'll talk soon.
0: Yeah, Scott, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. It was great chatting with you today.